0: Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Let's talk about one of the most amazing concepts in the Bible, the return of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church. We've all heard about the rapture. Many books have been published about it, movies produced about it, but what is it? The return of Jesus is a mystery. There are many things about it we don't understand. Listen to how Paul describes his return as a mystery. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52, the apostle writes, listen, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep, that means die natural death, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The twinkling of an eye is less than half a second. We blink about 20 times a minute or 1,200 blinks in an hour or 28,000 times a day. Paul says when Christ returns, it's gonna be like in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. I don't think Paul the Apostle is making a literal scientific statement about time, but he is reminding us that the Lord's coming is sudden and decisive when he takes us to be with him in heaven. Early Christians believed that the Lord's return could happen at any time. We call this the imminence, the immediacy of Jesus' return. So that was their basic belief. And it is the basic principle of Scripture that we should live with this awareness that Jesus could return at any time. The Bible says in Titus chapter two, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted by prophetic details and speculations about when the Lord will return. And don't think there's an imaginary timeline that everybody's got every little detail in sequence. There are many things we don't know about his return, but the most important truth is he will return and he will take us to be with him. We need a simple and scriptural view of Jesus' return and avoid sensationalism. So celebrate the fact of his return, but leave the facets of his return to God. Jesus could return at any moment. The apostle James said the judge is standing at the door, James 5 and 9. Paul writes, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2. Jesus said, behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he or she who stays awake and keeps their clothes with them so that they will not be naked or shamefully exposed. In Revelation 16 and 3, speaking of this immediacy of his return. And Jesus says, so you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him, Matthew 24 and 42. So regardless of people's particular view of the return of Christ and certain prophetic details and exactly how everything will happen, There are many speculations about those things and we all have questions about them and the Bible gives us some insights, but the most important truth is Jesus will return. Jesus' return is the main event of the future. The return of Jesus will take place in two phases. First, he will come to take his people out of the world in what is called the rapture. Then he will return to the earth at the end of the age to set up his kingdom and to rule and reign in righteousness. Then he will come, return to the earth at the end of the age, to set up his kingdom and to rule and reign in righteousness. Now, there are two different ways we can look at the rapture and the return. Some scholars look at all these scriptures and say that the rapture happens at the beginning of the great tribulation period, which we believe will last for seven years, ending in the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ. So they would see the revelation of Jesus at the end of the tribulation, is different than the rapture at the beginning of the tribulation. Other scholars and preachers see the rapture and the return at the same time. In other words, at the end of the great tribulation period, Jesus returns, we're caught up together and meet him in the clouds of the air. They see that as the same experience. Personally, I don't have a view of that. I do believe when I look at all the scriptures, that the indicators are that the rapture will occur at the beginning of the great tribulation period as a sign to the world that the end is at hand, a sign for them to believe the gospel and to repent. But I rest in the assurance that Jesus will return. So whether it's at the beginning or the end of the tribulation, for me personally, is not a concern. I know that he will return, and for me personally, that is sufficient. But there are different views on the rapture and the revelation of Christ at the end. The term rapture simply means to take away, to snatch away or to catch away suddenly. Now, Paul uses this term and this concept in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, which I want us to look at in this teaching today. We see the details of the rapture, what's going to happen when Christ returns. Now, Paul, the apostle writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds of the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And I would encourage you today with these words as we look specifically at what will take place in the rapture of the church. Now, while the word rapture doesn't actually appear in the Bible, the concept certainly appears. Paul says here we'll be caught up or snatched away suddenly. And that is in the Latin Bible, the word rapio, which would get the English word rapture. So rapture is a word that describes that we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds of the air. Now let's look specifically at this passage about the Lord's return and what we learn about the rapture of the church. First of all, Jesus' appearance is a personal appearance. The scripture says here that the Lord himself will return with a shout. So Jesus will not send a representative or an angel to get us, In John chapter 14, verse three, he said, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. As Jesus ascension on the Mount of Olives, the Bible says, as the disciples were standing there a cloud from heaven enveloped Jesus, that suddenly two men dressed in white told the disciples, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way You have seen him go into heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Now think about that. So Paul says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And the two men dressed in white, apparently angels, tell the disciples at the ascension of Jesus, why are you looking into heaven? This same Jesus will come back as you have seen him go into heaven. Now some people think that the return of Christ is only a metaphor about our dying and going to heaven. And we know that we will go to heaven if we die in this life, but that's not the rapture. Paul specifically says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, we shall not all sleep. Sleep is the biblical term for dying. That means some people will not die a natural death. Instead, they will be alive to see Jesus return. So Jesus' return is a spiritual mystery. We don't understand everything about it, but it is not a metaphor There is a literal return of Jesus that he promised to make to this world. So the Lord himself will return. And then Paul says heaven is going to open in his return. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. Jesus has to be in heaven in order to come down from heaven. And that's exactly where Jesus is now. He reigns in heaven as Lord over creation. And he serves as our high priest Ever living to make intercession for us, Hebrews 7 and 25 says. Jesus is our mediator, our defense attorney, and our bridge to God. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. In 1 John 2 verse 1 and 2, John says that Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours only. He says, I write to you that you do not sin, but if anyone does sin, he has a defense attorney an advocate, you could translate it, one who speaks to the Father on our behalf, Jesus Christ the righteous. So Jesus is in heaven as our high priest, as our intercessor. We go to God because of Jesus' high priesthood. And he, one day he's going to get up from that throne in heaven, step out on the clouds, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout. So when Jesus returns to the rapture, there's going to be an angelic announcement. He will come down from heaven with a loud command. The King James says with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, a loud command. This loud command is a shout of victory and praise. In the Bible, shouting is an expression of joy. In Psalm 132, 16, God says, I will clothe her priests with salvation and her saints will shout aloud for joy. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with the voice of triumph. Psalm 47, 1. The shouting at Christ's return is the joyful praise of God's people and the angels of heaven that the day of the Lord has come. God's plan for this world is coming to fulfillment when Jesus returns. You know, the angels appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem when he came the first time. There was the singing of angels and the praise of angels even then. When the shepherds were out in the field outside of Bethlehem, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 10, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace peace to those on whom his favor rests. So think about that. When Jesus came the first time, there was the shout of the angels in praise and worship in Bethlehem. And when he returns, there'll come the shout of the angel, a loud command of the archangel of God announcing his return. Then there's going to be fanfare. I call it future fanfare when Jesus returns. It's not going to be a quiet coming at all. It's going to be with a loud command the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, with the trumpet call of God. Think about that. The trumpet call of God. We call it fanfare in music theory. Fanfare is a short musical flourish, usually played by trumpets, to introduce a musical performance. In God's fanfare, the trumpet call of God is going to introduce Jesus as king to the world. The sound of a trumpet's important in the Bible. It's used to announce God is doing something great in history. When Moses received the law of God at Mount Sinai, the people heard a loud trumpet blast in Exodus 20 verse 18. During the worship of the ancient Israelites as set up by Moses using the temple worship, they used two silver trumpets that were used for three different purposes in ancient Israel's worship. One, the trumpets for used to call the people to worship. Second of all, the trumpets were used to initiate a journey of the camps in the wilderness. When the camps had to get up and move during the 40 years of the journey, it's time to go to the next place. It was announced with the sound of a trumpet. And third of all, they used the trumpet to summon the army of God to war. You find those three uses in Numbers chapter 10, verse 2. Paul the apostle tells us that the trumpet of God will sound. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. I've played music all my life. My first instrument was trumpet, so I have an affinity to this passage of Scripture. Trumpets are so loud and powerful and joyful and victorious. And when Christ returns, there's going to be the trumpet call of God. Paul also tells us that when the Lord returns, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. The Lord himself will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What does this mean when Paul the apostle says, the dead in Christ will rise first? And then he says, we which are alive remain shall be caught up together. What is this phrase, the dead in Christ will rise first? And what does the Bible teach us about death? Well, the scripture is clear that when a Christian, a believer a worshiper of the true living God. When we die, our spirit or our soul goes to God in heaven, the moment of death. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, Paul is describing death for the believer. And he says, we are confident of this very thing. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the moment our soul departs our body, absent from the body, we are in that moment present with the Lord. So Paul is not saying here that the spirit or soul of a person rests in the grave, waiting Jesus' return. He's talking here about the resurrection of the body, not the soul. When we die, our soul is with God in heaven. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 agrees with this. In fact, it says it's describing the process of death and when the body dies. He says that the body returns to the ground from which it came, but the spirit returns to the God who gave it. When Jesus returns and restores this world, we're going to receive an eternal resurrected body like his resurrection body. So that's what he's describing here. The return of the Lord, we're eventually going to live on this earth. The saints in heaven today, we were made for the earth. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21 and 1. And we are going to receive a new glorified physical body, just like Jesus' resurrection body. Listen to how Paul specifically says this to us in Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious bodies here. We have lowly bodies, they're imperfect. Our bodies are imperfect. We perish. The soul is eternal. The body is not. But he says, when Christ returns, we await a savior from there. He'll change. He'll transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. I've been asked about that passage of scripture as much as anything in the Bible. What does it mean that the dead in Christ will rise first? So it doesn't mean that the soul is in the ground or the grave when we die. It doesn't mean that. The body is buried, but the soul is with God in heaven. It means that when Jesus returns, that we are going to receive new glorified bodies. Paul says we're going to be caught up. Here's that word rapture. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, and we which are still alive and are left will be caught up. Now that phrase caught up in the Latin version of the Bible is the word rapture. So the rapture then means a spiritual translation of God's people into heaven. Now, the rapture is illustrated in Scripture by some people who experience a personal rapture to heaven. You really can think about dying as a rapture, because when we do die in this life, our soul is raptured into heaven. Enoch, in the Old Testament, walked with God, and God took him to heaven. His family looked for him, but they never found him, according to Genesis 5 and 24. The writer of Hebrews talks about that in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 4 and 5, he says, Enoch walked with God and God took him because he pleased God. The prophet Elijah was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1, Elisha who followed him saw Elisha go up in a chariot of fire. And I'm sure he was actually seeing a spiritual vision of what happened to Elijah's soul because Elijah died a natural death like we all do. But he was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection. He was enveloped in a cloud of glory and he disappeared from their sights, Acts 1, verse 9. So the concept of rapture is a translation of our soul into heaven. John the Revelator talks about kind of a rapture experience he had spiritually. He was taken to heaven in a vision. After this, I looked, he writes, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, God, the father, Revelation chapter four, verse one and two. So that was kind of a rapture experience. Although it happened in a vision, he was on earth and he saw a door open to heaven, but he heard the voice of God saying, come up here and I'll show you things to come. Now the purpose of the rapture of the church Paul says specifically here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is to meet the Lord in the air. And what a meeting that will be. I've met a lot of important people in my life. I'm sure you have as well, but nothing will compare to meeting Jesus. Think about that. I met Barbie on a blind date. It was a great meeting that changed my life because she became my wife. We spent our life together because of one meeting, a blind date. That was a great meeting. But one day, I will meet Jesus face to face, and so will you. That'll be the greatest meeting of our lives. I love this little phrase when Paul's writing about the return of Christ and the rapture. He says, we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds of the air. Today, in this life, we see Jesus by faith. We don't see him naturally. But we see him by faith. And Peter reminds us of the joy we have just by seeing Jesus by faith. He saw Jesus face to face. He he lived with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. And he knew that most Christians would never have that opportunity. But he tells us how blessed we are to be able to see him by faith. Listen to how Peter talks about seeing Jesus by faith, whom having not seen you love. And though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. 1 Peter 1 verse 8. But when Jesus comes or when we go to heaven, we will see Jesus face to face. John writes in 1 John 3 and 2, We shall be like him, Jesus, for we shall see him as he is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, Paul says, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will see face to face. What an incredible day that will be. And then we close with the last part of this passage on the rapture. He says, We'll be with the Lord forever. What a hopeful word, the word forever. Jesus' great promise is the promise of eternal life. John three sixteen. God so loved the world. Jesus said that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whatever happens to us in this life, and regardless of the trials we may face, it pales into insignificant in light of the fact that we will be with the Lord forever. And this passage on the return of Christ in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, ends with a challenge for all of us to consider. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Let's not argue or debate these words about our Lord's return, but let's remind each other in the middle of life's difficulties and the global unrest of our times, not to be afraid or discouraged because Christ is coming again. Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the promise of your return May we be watchful, ready, and faithful when you return. In your holy name, I pray. Thank you for joining me and spending time studying the Word of God as we look at the greatest promise, the promise of our Lord's return. I want to encourage you to invite your family and friends to watch these teachings. Share my sermon podcast with them. Share the Mount Parent app with them. Get as many people as you can online listening to the Word of God so that they too may understand the fantastic future God has for us. I want to thank you for your faithful partnership in ministry, the tithes and offerings you provide, the faithful prayer, the active service and ministry, both here on campus and online. I want to thank you for what you're doing to bring this world hope in Christ. Sunday is coming. I look forward to seeing you and your family in worship. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.